Hong Kongers will today mark the six-month anniversary of pro-democracy protests with a large rally planned. Uh, they began over uh, a since-repealed extradition bill, but soon morphed into something much, much bigger. The ABC doesn't have a permanent presence in Hong Kong and has been rotating crews through for the past few weeks. It's been reporter Barbara Miller's turn. Here are her reflections on a city in strife. Winter has come to Hong Kong, temperatures plunging to lows of 12 degrees Celsius, the start of a mini cold snap, and it rained for the first time in weeks. The government's weather agency has put out a warning that people should put on warm clothes and avoid prolonged exposure to wintry winds. I kid you not, those are direct quotes. Restaurants feel busy and cosy out of the cold and the wet. But it's a deceptive picture. Many businesses here are struggling. Every day seems to bring a new round of grim news for the economy. Tourism numbers are down, retail sales too. Business activity is shrinking at a record pace. Much of that is attributed to the disruptions caused by six months of protests. Though there are, of course, other factors too, like the fallout from the US-China trade war. There was much excitement about the district council elections, which brought a landslide victory for pro-democracy candidates two weeks ago. But nothing has really changed. And as the city prepares to mark the six-month anniversary of the protest movement's first major rally, it's hard not to feel it's stuck in a loop of protest, clean-up, protest. This lawyer, who didn't want to be named, says she will continue to take part in protests for as long as it takes. We all know the uh, movement is not going to die and it will only go from strength to strength. The results of the um, election is so encouraging. It shows that we are united in one voice. We demand our demands for freedom and basic fundamental human rights. And we are just clamoring for our own rights. Um, so, yeah, you may say that some people may turn pessimistic, but I don't see how this will deter people from continuing to protest in a peaceful manner. You're in it for the long haul. Definitely, definitely. Some protests pass off peacefully. Some are marred by violence on both sides. Each few days, a new video does the rounds, showing brutality on one side or the other. This week, there was the one of the man clearing protesters' roadblocks, who was violently hit on the head with a metal bar and fell to the ground. It was brutal, as shocking as the one of a policewoman, which emerged a couple of days later, sitting on a protesting schoolgirl's head to stop her fleeing. One of the most violent moments of the movement was the siege of the Polytechnic University. Protesters armed themselves with thousands of petrol bombs, made medieval-style weapons and held out there for days. We visited the campus when the siege was finally over after almost two weeks. It was a scene of utter destruction and waste. The bill will be huge, the damage to research projects and property still being calculated. But the protest movement won't condemn those who took part because they say the police are to blame for provoking the protesters or they say their acts must be seen in relativity to police brutality. Here's an excerpt of a conversation I had with a man who supports the protests. 
It's typical of the ones I've had about violence on the side of the protesters. He just can't quite bring himself to lay any blame on those who laid siege to the Polytechnic. The peaceful protest. I support peaceful protest. No violence. What about what happened at the Polytechnic? What do you think about that? Wow, serious. Out of control of the Hong Kong police force. Out of control. They, what about the students? They are very, very, very poor. Whereas I'm very sad. Police are shooting the TG, are shooting the, the bullets. Very tragedy. A tragedy in Hong Kong now. But you'd probably be surprised if you came to Hong Kong at how normal, how effortless life seems on the surface. The city I've been watching from afar is a place of tear gas, rubber bullets, mass rallies and riots. The airport came to a standstill when it was besieged in August. But I can barely remember a smoother arrival when touching down in a foreign country. I had cleared immigration, had bought my express train ticket and had a local sim within about half an hour. It was seamless. People approached and helped me at every turn. When I got off at the MTR station near my hotel about 45 minutes later, there was someone waiting there too to guide me to the correct exit. I found the Hong Kongers polite, friendly and dignified. It's been said to me that I might be enjoying white privilege. Certainly, when I turned up at court last week, I was whisked past a line and into a front row seat in double-quick time. I've never had that level of service in any other court I've reported from. But I watch the easy rapport our local fixer strikes up with taxi drivers and people in cafes. I can't understand them, but I think they are gentle to one another, which might sound odd given the current backdrop. I soak up the remnants of this city's British past, which makes me, because of my past, feel at home. And I enjoy immersing myself in the Asianness of the city too, the street food, the high-rises, the omnipresent construction sites. There are beaches here and beautiful hiking trails and bustling markets. And there's a real sense of identity, always an attractive thing in a city. I can see that this is a place whose future is worth fighting for, whichever side you stand on. Reporter Barbara Miller there, reflecting on her time in a troubled Hong Kong. And we'll have more of that at our roundtable when we'll hear a diverse range of perspectives from within the Chinese-Australian community.